The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codame DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrick, codame Death Pro. At ease, DJ Christatos, and to all the green shirts tuning in for our podcast, I want to welcome everybody to Back to Fort Long Box. It's hard to say, Pat, but I got it out. It we is. appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the criminally underrated Devil's Do run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, it is just DJ Cristados and I. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. We are ending where we began. Mm. A little peek behind the curtain. You guys know we record two episodes back to back. So this is the penultimate issue for this run of G.I. Joe. And next episode is going to be the very last issue. For this G.I. Joe run. And we did talk to somebody on our recording tonight, didn't we, Pat? We did. Mm, so there will be a special bonus content. You will find it on the next episode, the final episode for this run. Don't panic out there. Okay. I said the final episode for this run. G.I. Joe Chronicles, mm-hmm. not necessarily going anywhere. But uh, we'll tell you more about that next episode. Let's focus on just this episode, Pat. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I don't even know what's going on. So. <laughs> you don't read your text for me, apparently. <laughs> no, I don't. You just put thumbs up on them. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so it's just Pat and I. And since it is just Pat and I, we're going to get right into it. And Pat, DJ Cristados, what's the episode's intelligence report? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. For this mission, we will be covering... G.I. Joe number 42 from Devil's Due. The cover date was May 2005. The writer was Brandon Jurwa. Penciler goes to Tim Seeley and Emiliano Santa Lucia. Inker is Corey Hampshire. Colorist is Brett R. Smith. Letterer is Steve Seeley. Cover art goes to Tim Seeley, Andrew Popoy, and Val Staples. And speaking about the cover, Death Probe. Please take us through the cover description. You got it. Take cover! The Joe team lies decimated in the desert with a wall of flame as the background. Shipwreck, Lifeline, Stalker, Gung-Ho, General Ray, Firewall, Guy Who I Can't Remember, Might Be Mirage, I'm not sure, Flint and Lady J are strewn around on the ground, clearly defeated by a lone, dual-pistol-wielding figure that is hidden in shadow. The cover blurb at the top reads, The Beginning of the End. Yet another blurb states, Dawn of the Red Shadows, Part 1. So, Jarrett, what do you think of this cover? It's foreboding, Mm. as is the last two issues. One of the things on the cover that I did not mention in the cover description, Flash. It's Flash. He's the guy I couldn't remember. (laughs) Now I'm looking at it like that's Flash. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell by the red. Um, the red pads. The I just pa- saw that as them. I was yeah. looking at it. But one thing I didn't mention in my cover description was the cover price. $4.50 because it's a double-sized issue. So that helps 
the cover because artistically the cover's fine. It's not terribly dynamic. It's more of an ominous something is coming cover. And when you see that and you couple that with the weighty feel of a double size issue, there's intrigue. So while it's not one of my favorite covers, artistically speaking, it's fine. I think it tells its tale pretty well. And with that, I will pass it to you. I think you're right on that, that it does pull me into this just with the bit, the beginning of the end and Dawn of the Red Shadow. So part one. So, you know, there's going to be a, a, actually obviously another part two. And just the, I think the fiery background, I like that kind of fiery color that's going on uh you know like there's flames in the back and this guy's kind of walking up from the flames like you know something just went down and you see these joes all just laid out and this guy just standing there with two guns it's like hey something happened and who is this person that's standing there that was able to take these guys out you see that in the shadow they're they're all kind of just laying there pretty cool idea of in the shadow you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that guy standing Mm -hmm. there and you got that shadow there so all in all, like you said, is it a standout cover? Nah, it's enough to draw me to it. And once you pick it up, too, man, this thing is heavy in your hands. You know, I don't know if, if it's the the weight of the paper that's being used in it, but once you pull that out, and they don't even tell you. It's like nowhere does it say that it's 40-some pages bit no, long, but the price tells you that it's I'm like, oh, this thing's like 450 So in the end, I think... As we get to it, we'll find out was it worth the 450 or not. Hmm. But with that, let's go ahead and rate this on our cover scale of one to ten flag points. One meaning you didn't like it at all, and ten meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it for the Red Shadows. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, Jared, out of one to ten flag points. How much are you willing to cut that up out of the, get that cardboard and put it all together and send that in? <laughs> one to 10 flag points. Hmm. This is one of my lower end covers for the whole series. Sure. But I still like it. I will give it a seven. Hmm. You know, I was struggling with a seven and an eight on this one. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was in the six to eight range. Okay. So I went right there in the seven. Right That's in the what middle, I did. Yeah. I think I'll match you. With the seven as well, too. What pulls me in is the blurbs. Mm-hmm. And again, that just intrigue of what's going on with the Red Shadows and what's happening here. Because knowing, you know, where we ended off the issue before, ooh, we're going to get some action here now. We're going to find out about these people, I hope. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm pulling it off there. All right. Well, with the cover out of the way, let's go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. As you probably know, here on Jaijo Chronicles, we mix things up. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Cristados, pull that lever. The lever has chosen Joe. Look in the eyes of a hero and see the sacrifice within There's no way out for the hero Things are finally coming into focus, but there are two problems. Things aren't coming into focus fast enough, and the picture we're beginning to see isn't pretty. We're finally getting the picture on the Red Shadows, the organization that's been taking out Joe and Cobra forces alike, as well as causing mayhem and mistrust on a global scale. 
Former British MI5 agent Wilder Vaughn is suspected of leading the Red Shadows with Artur Kulik and Della Eden by his side. And they also seem to have General Herring in their corner as well. General Herring seems to be the last of the jugglers, as all the other ones have been assassinated by the Red Shadows. The only good news is that Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Duke are back on the team. And thank goodness for that, because they were a key element in saving General Hawk from yet another assassination attempt. General Ray, General Hawk, Duke, and Flint were just starting to get a handle on things when tragedy struck. It would seem that the Red Shadow assassin, Della Eden, has seriously injured Flint and killed Lady J. Back to G.I. Joe. Okay, time for highs and lows of the issues. Pat, it's just me and you, so I'm certain you're going to rattle off everything in the book. What do you mm-hmm. got? Well, Jared, on page one. Here we go. What I really like, <laughs> we're going to go page by page. Page by page, old school style for the long box. <laughs> no, I, I'll just get this out of the way right away, is the art in this. Man, there are 40-some pages in this. And, you know, as the credits go, I think there's someone penciled up to one part. Yeah, Tim Seeley did pages 1 through 22. And then Emiliano Santa Lucia did pages 23 to 44 for the pencils. So very complimentary styles. Yeah. The divide doesn't feel jarring to me. No, I was going to say, I don't think I could really see that much of a difference for the art. But just looking at this again the art in here i love the panel layouts as well too everything's on kind of on that darker background so you, you don't see the what is the, the alleyways of the panels it's not white it's black so i think that also helps put you in the mood when you're reading this hats off really great job on the storytelling because there is a lot that's going on in this story and, and we'll get to that in another high but jared what do you have for a high or a low there's so much going on like you said there's 44 pages and it is packed i mean it is the red shadows sowing the seeds of mistrust in international ways it is jugglers falling apart Mm -hmm. it is the joes kind of coming back together so much going on i will take my first high as something i didn't even mention in the story summary, because if I tried to summarize everything that happened, it would have been like a five-minute summary. <laughs> so I had to do a high level. But there's a really cool scene, and it's the scene where they kill all the jugglers, in fact, I think. Oh, yeah. But what's really key in that is they do it at a secret facility where the Red Shadows kill all the jugglers, but they also steal the body of Serpentor. Remember that the jugglers have had him in stasis for several issues now. Are they stealing it? I didn't know if they were stealing it or were they just like, hey, whatever this project was. Good point. They don't body or what's in the tube. Right. And they just smashed the tube. But yeah, they just smash the tube. and They don't tell you what happens next. So it's really up to the reader. I interpreted it as stealing, but I also did think, well, they could just be destroying it. That's what I I would think an organization like the Red Shadows would rather have leverage with something like that than to just destroy but you could go either way with it. They don't really say whether they stole Serpentor or they just destroyed him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It was good to see Serpentor in there. Serpentor. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, he didn't have any on. He was just no. in that tube like that. He was he was all Serpentless. Yes, definitely. I like the background story that's going on. It's not really forced on you through it, and, and it plays out through this issue. 
And I like that because you get to understand how the Red Shadow came about. And this this Vaughn guy, you know, kind of understand his view as what he's seen and, and what makes him think that way. And then, you know, even the guy that's with him, obviously, is, is Colton in the beginning, right? Is Correct. Is what we understood that way. And just like even he was kind of questioning his thoughts on how things were were handled in the beginning that Vaughn did. So I really like that that it's seems like it's a seed that's been there. And I'm I'm thinking, where has this been through the rest of the story? Is there little stuff here and there that we saw? You know, like even going back to you know, Marvel run stuff is like, have these guys been around that long that they're just like the sleeper agent that's finally, you know, coming about and in my mind, I'm just having these thoughts and ideas of, of certain things and how they played out. I'm like, ooh, maybe that could have been these red guys, you know. I'm going to call them red guys, but. <laughs> well, Pat, when we had Jim the Joe Junkie on the show, he mentioned that the red shadows were kind of part of G.I. Joe lore of the past. So I actually did some research on it. Would you like to know what I found? Oh, yes, Jared. Enlighten me. So the Red Shadows are actually a group of villains, I think directly descended from the Nazis, that fought Action Force. Remember, in England, they had Action Force? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which all started with, like, we have G.I. Joe, which all started with Joe Colton, right? Mm -hmm. They have Action Force, which started with Action Man. So now, all of a sudden, it makes sense that they killed him, remember? Like, a handful Uh, of years ago, we were like, why did they kill Action Man? Yeah. Who's killing Action Man? He's like their original you know, oh, nemesis. Okay. So Action Man begat Action Force, which had the Red Shadows in it as a you know bad guy operation group. So that's how deep into the lore, uh, you know, Brandon and Josh go on this stuff. <laughs> now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. I haven't read any of the older action force, but I've, you know, I've seen it out there. I've seen scans of it, things like that. And I do remember before it switched over to Cobra that there was like the enemy was in red or so to say. And yeah, this goes back to like the 12 inch, you know, lines of toys. So yeah, I just think it's kind of fascinating. I've always found that, that weird sort of cousin relationship between action man and GI Joe and, Mm-hmm. And, you know, in G.I. Joe comics, as we know them from the 80s, were released in England. I think they were still called Action Force because that's how they knew that toy line. It's, it's interesting to me. But, yeah, I did a little homework and found out that's where the Red Shadow. They had some really funky looking costume designs. Now, I, I couldn't find anything in there which specifically talked about Wilder Vaughn or Artur Kulik or Della Eden. I think they are new characters just kind of put under that umbrella. Um, okay. But yeah. that's... What I found out, Pat. Wow. Very cool. I'm glad you brought that information. It just, wow, that just opens my mind up to even more thoughts about it. And just, you know, the lore of this goes even deeper. I love it. Yeah. It's, wow. And, you know, these guys, Brandon and and Josh, did such a great job of just pulling information from different sources. Yeah, like that guy that they assassinated, that news reporter, Hector... Uh, I was told he's from the cartoons. Mm. 
Like that's a character that was in the cartoons. The uh, reporter, his name was Hector something. Yeah, Ramirez. Ramirez. Yes, I might have made Ramirez. that up. Ramirez. Yep. No, no. I think but that like, was it. They're grabbing lore from across the pond. They're grabbing lore from the yeah. cartoons. Oh, just very good. I want to go into more because this is man. This was so big and and thick and just the storytelling that's going on here. You have the disruption that's happening with the red shadows and what they're doing to make countries political and religious factions or just beliefs sowing that seed of corruption or just seed of doubtfulness not only there but it's also going on in the joes as well too you have the story of flint and lady j where you see them kind of questioning each other about what they think of General Ray. And I can see both sides of it as well, too. You know, Lady J, she's very cautious. You know, she's the head of the Intel team now. And so she's trying to dig up stuff on Ray. And you get to see her kind of confront him and, you know, Ray to say, hey, I can't find anything on you. You know, how did you work your way up? Where did, you know, where did you go for training camp? And what's going on with all this? Uh, and he's like, oh, it's classified. So that makes me more interested to go, okay, wh- who is he? And, you know, I kind of think I know who he is or where he's from, but it's still that mystery is there and it's building. But it's the disruption, again, I'm using that they uh-huh. have laying down mm-hmm. in this story that I just figured out, too, that the girl that rides up in the, the Arab area there, too, that's, the, um, I think that's, what's her name? Della Eden? Yeah. Because I had to look at her face, and then I go, then we see her later on, like, oh, okay. It's her that rolled up to kind of fake these guys out to make them go after. Just uh, the storytelling in this is amazing. They definitely found a way to weave in a third party. Something outside of Joe, outside of Cobra, another major threat to both Joe and Cobra. We saw them in a previous Mm -hmm. issue. You kill a bunch of Cobra dudes. Yep. Um, but going yeah. back to this issue, uh, just a good high, kind of a moment. There's so much going on. I really like when the Red Shadows go after Hawk, and it's revealed that Kamakura has been watching him the whole time, and the Red yeah. Shadows brings in a lot of troops and heavy weaponry, and it's really cool that Scarlet and Snake Eyes show up just in time. And, I mean, how cool was it when the back of that SUV pops open and Snake Eyes is rocking that M60 yeah. like a boss, man? <laughs> Takes down the helicopter. And that's also where we learn that the Red Shadows, well, it's hinted at, will be mm-hmm. confirmed in the next issue, hint, hint. But they have superior tech. They have really advanced body armor, weaponry. They're basically like a more clandestine, more successful version of Destro. <laughs> And his weapons manufacturing. Well, it's almost like you makes you think, though, have they been kind of taking Destro's idea somehow? You know, they got their monies into it or whatever, and they're a backer or they're a buyer, too, you know, and just, hey, we'll take your stuff and then we'll even do even better because we've got stuff from America that we're taking, too, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Joe team. And you got their tendrils are in everything, man. Yeah, everything. I, I like that. When you talk about Kamakura, when he comes down, that page where you see him just standing there after he slices that guy in the yeah. in the back and just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> At first I thought it was Snake Eyes. And then you see him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's him. Awesome. 
Well, I guess I'll skip to the part that's not so awesome, Pat. Yeah, I know. It seems like we're kind of a little more nearby. But before you do, Red Shadows, their suits, their design. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. Did they make figures of these? I'm not sure. Yeah. I looked that up. I think, and I'm going to wait for Jim Meal to correct this when we release this episode. Sure. <laughs> but when I looked, there was a Red Shadows figure that came in like a, you had as like a convention exclusive pack. Oh, I think you okay. had to go to like a convention in Rhode Island to get it. And it was more based off of those like 60s, 70s Red Shadows from England oh, than it okay. was these guys. I don't think these guys have ever had their own. When I looked it up, I think I saw a couple of people offering customs, but I didn't see like a Hasbro proper version of these three characters. Now, okay. we'll just wait for the episode to air and see what Jim says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jim, Jim will let us know. So he's got the knowledge. Definitely. And that's like half the battle. Yeah, truly is. Yeah. Man, if I would have known that, oh, the things I would do if I'd known things ahead of time. Right. Mm -hmm. Speaking about knowing things ahead of time, the Red Shadows as well, too, what they're doing is, you know, they're taking out people. You, you know, they take right. out the computer guy. You know, they're just, as they called it, cleaning up loose ends because they didn't want anything happening. And, man, this just mm -hmm. made this issue... And this story arc, just more interesting. You know, I'm, I'm worried about things like, wow, are the, the Joe's going to make it or not? Or, or what's going on here? There's a lot going on. And like you say, killing people. They killed all the jugglers, General Gibbs, everybody. They left one alive. Doesn't that kind of tell you something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Joes were on to him. They were like, yeah, is he the only one who's yeah. still alive? And I got to kick out. It has to be intentional, Pat. But his name is General Mars Herring, right? Oh, Herring. And and Mars is known as the Red Planet. So he's oh. Red Herring. <laughs> oh, I didn't even get that. And I was like, that's got to be intentional. Oh. Way over my head. Yeah, I, I was like, eh, I think there's something to this. Ah. But Pat, we've danced around it. We have to talk about it. Okay. <sighs> Della Eden killed Lady Jake. Yeah, that was a shock. Or surprised because the way it was all playing out, I was thinking something was going to happen to Flint, right? Yeah. And then, you know, she comes, takes care of Della a little bit, right? Yep. And then shanks her, really. I was like, oh, man. Especially with them having a fight. But then old Della got like a piece of metal and just stabbed her. And then the hard part of it is the very last panel is Lady J laying there stabbed. Mm-hmm. And if you're reading this live, like you and I did back in 05, you're not even sure. You're like, is she dead? Is she not dead? No, they wouldn't kill Lady J. Yeah. They killed Lady J. <laughs> <laughs> they killed Lady J. And that was rough. Like, I, I know they wanted to end on an impactful note. And I know they wanted to end on with a Joe death that would impact the team. Think it was a good choice because she's married to Flint, so there's a lot of connection there. She's been part of the team since like what eighty six ish, eighty five yeah. maybe. Eighty five. You know what? I think she's in Jared's toy chest, so we'll find out later. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I had a good friend of mine who was reading this live along with me back in two thousand five. She's a big GI Joe fan as well, 
And she was very upset because <laughs> Lady J was her favorite chip. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lady J has kind of built up a great reputation on who she is. And I think, you know, maybe that's possibly a reason of, you know, having them finding somebody that they could make an impact to, you know, give that, that heartstring to some of us, you know, old Joes or anybody that's kind of been going on. Uh, reading along with this too, you know, cause you're like, you know, Flint and Lady J are together. They're married, you know, looking to retire, I guess, you know, live their life together. And oh. yeah, it was rough, man. It was rough. You know, like I said, we both read this back in the day and I had this inkling in the back of my mind. I was like, did they kill Lady J in this series? <laughs> cause I feel like they, cause I remember my friend Britt being upset about it. She's like, I can't believe they killed Lady J. And I was like, was that in this series? Was it in Frontline? Was it an America's event? <laughs> I couldn't remember. Here it is. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. This series has been a little bit edgy, you know, a little bit darker, but not too dark. But it's just been edgy enough to go, wow, these guys are playing for keeps. And the the Red Shadows, they're playing for keeps. That's what I just kept turning the pages as, as I was reading this. It's like, this story is going somewhere and I, I got to know what happens. Lots going on. I'll try to end it on a high note and just say, <laughs> even though I feel like there's a, a specter still looming, but once again, I really like General Ray in this. General yeah, Ray is just uh -huh. so darn likable. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that, too. Because you want to know more about his background, but yet, do you really? I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I just like the mysteriousness of him, and he doesn't avoid it. He, he goes up to a couple different ones, and he, and just says, you know, you want to talk about something or, you know, I'm sure you don't like me, but here's what it is. And I'm here to do my job and I'm here to listen and respect the chain of command and do all that stuff. And I really liked it how he just knew Lady J didn't like him or at least didn't know who he was or whatever. And so, you know, he confronts her on it. You know, they're a straight guy. Straight shooter. Very likable. Yeah. All right, Pat, for an issue that's pretty dense. Probably should wind down the discussion. You got any salient points we have not yet covered? No, I don't think so. I, I think we've covered pretty much the high points of it all. Man, lots going on. It is pretty dense going on. and It's know. like every issue we've read has almost been like a TV episode, but these last two, because they're both double-sized, it's like a mini-series. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I kept thinking about that as I read this. This would be a good tv series or it'd be a good i'd watch this in a movie if this was the gi joe movie you got a lot going on here that would th really throw you off too because it's just not gi joe and coburn like oh they're gonna fight and there's high stakes going on now with the red shadows it's a new unknown entity that's now a new player in this game and they're taking out people doesn't matter joe or corbo so i this would really make a cool movie yeah, it kind of reminds me of when they added the third entity of Cobra La, which sure. some people love, some people do not love. Mm -hmm. This ain't the topic of the podcast, but I'm 50-50 on it. I get that it's bonkers and it's kind of where G.I. Joe jumped the shark for a lot of people, but I would be lying if I didn't say I thought the figures were cool when I was a kid. I think I watched at that right age. You know, I watched yeah. at that age where I wasn't jaded yet. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like anything goes, yeah. anything Joe's, yeah. anything Joe's. Yeah. But this kind of reminded me of that, this, you know, bringing in that third faction and this is more, you know, grounded 
and quote unquote realistic. So I, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And with that, I will hand it back to DJ Cristados for the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same one to 10 flag points we used before. So, Jared, on a scale of one to 10, how many flag points will you give issue number 42? I, whew, action packs, intrigue, sets it up. Death of Lady J. I'm at a solid nine on this one, Pat. Ooh, solid nine. I'm all in at a 10. Yo, I really enjoyed this issue. Nothing wrong with that. It had the action. It had the backstory going on, character development, everything I needed in a large format. You know, it was 40 some pages. It was worth the 450, definitely. I would agree with that. I would. I think the might lose a point for me is just the pacing. And they they had to do a bit of accelerated pacing because they were ending yeah. this run at 43. So I just thought it was really well paced because for like, I don't know, six issues, seven issues now, we've gotten hints, drops, slow builds. And then it's like you hit issues 42 and 43 and it's just full speed. I, I wish it had been paced a little better, but knowing what we know that they, you know, we're ending the run at 43 yeah. to rebrand and relaunch as America's elite. They had to wrap it up. So mm-hmm. I give them full credit for doing the audience justice and, and making the last two double size. So they could really yeah. get as much in as they could. So it just, just has a bit of a pacing thing for me. I still think it's really great. That's why I'm giving it a nine. It's worth the 450 pet. Okay. No, I, I hear you. I definitely hear you. Yeah. I think what I liked that they did, because it was so double issue, is they had chapter one, chapter two, you know, and they did it in chapters like that. So if they would have just done singles, this would be a four-issue arc, right? Could possibly maybe have been a five, just a, I don't know, would, would you want to stretch it out a little bit more? I we'll would see. would have liked to have probably seen six, because I would have liked to seen more about how it integrates with Cobra. We don't really see Cobra's point of view. No, through this last true. arc until the very, very end, which we will talk about on the next episode. That is true. All right. Well, now the it's time to award the episode Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for Sneaky Snakeitude or Silver Medal for Gallantry in Action. This is where each of us get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. Jared. Said no one's surprise. (laughs) A big, bright, shining star with a salute and a folded flag handed to her husband. It's got to be Lady J. I would agree. Definitely. Above and beyond. And I liked that she actually, you know, kind of calls it out that she put out the all points to the other team to make sure that, you know, Scarlet got there as soon as possible. She knew where he was going. She's like, it's the only place you know where to go. <laughs> I'm like, but this is Flint, man. Doesn't he, you know, how does he not know his surrounding areas and all that? But, you know, I, 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 I kind of find that a little bit charming as well, too, is like, he knows all this other stuff, but then he couldn't get from point A to point B. But, ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I would agree with you on that. And now... I will hand it back over to Jarrett for his segment of Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here the 
G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. All right, Pat, it's time to dig in the toy chest. In this segment, I'll take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, to no one's surprise, I have selected Lady J. Lady J is a covert operations specialist. Her name is Allison Hart Burnett, and she is from Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Specialties include intelligence and personnel clerk, which is kind of what Laurel does here on the network. Yeah, she does, yeah. Her figure description is she wears a green jumpsuit with a black cap, boots, and gloves, and she has brown tech gear. Her accessories include a green backpack, a gray power javelin, and a green surveillance camera. She was first released as part of Series 4 in 1985 and discontinued in 1987. And as of this recording, which is in May of 2023, there are currently 11 versions of Lady J and that's three and three quarters inch. Cause I know they do have a classified cause I've got it. Mm-hmm. Of course. Fancy. Anytime I tell you the version numbers, it's three and three quarter inch versions. So there's 11 of them. Pat, did you have Lady J? I don't think I did have Lady J. I, I have friends who did have her, uh, but I did not. I really liked her cool javelin weapon though. I think that was a cool weapon to have. It definitely got a lot of play in the cartoon. Like Lady yes. J got a lot of cartoon time, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. I like her design overall. I like how her green's a little bold, but mm-hmm. it's not neon. It's just kind of a bolder green. I like it. It sets off the black boots and gloves. I've always liked her little ball cap. You know, it kind of gave her that tomboy military yeah. feel to it. Kind of slightly playful, but yet kind of cool at the same time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I just always liked her design. Of course, I had her because. Yeah, you're fancy. Exactly. All right. (laughs) And that is it for Death Probe's Toy Chest. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. Call it G.I. Joe. Go get Breaker. He can do it. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our Battle Hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks who have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special lawn box video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow! Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robison. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim. German Jim. German Jim. German Jim. German. I hope, hope you like, you like Jim, Jim German too. too. Little melody there. Yeah. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. Mark Ross. Matt and Lizzie Oso. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we do apologize. 
please keep in mind that we recorded these episodes well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you will get all the access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come and check it out. I I have a question, man. Oh, hey, Orson. Hey, man. Like, you guys are like, it's like all about the money, you know? Join the Crusaders Club. It's like a dollar. Can I pay with, like, well wishes, good thoughts? That's helpful. It, it, it's okay. Will it give too. me access to the Crusaders Club, like, in my mind? In your mind, it would, yeah. Awesome. It's a good deal. It is. You know, if you're feeling like you want to help us out with some good vibes, yeah, I think you could just go out to, you know, Apple and, and drop us a good review. You know, just put the, put that vibe into five stars, and, and that'll definitely just be like... That sounds like a lot of work, man. I'm just going to put in a dollar. <laughs> you could do that as well, too. <laughs> Your choice. Either way, you're going to win. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Orsted. <laughs> All right. Well, now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breakers Comsat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are comments from episode 39, where Jarrett, I, and Jim, the Joe Junkie, talked about issue 39. I'll start it off with a message we got from a friend of the show, G.I. Gary. He said, I never realized randomizer had a third option. <laughs> Great show. <laughs> that was the one where I got stuck on Orsted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Orsted. Always good to hear his thoughts. I'll take one from Christian Romero. And he says, got it. And he shows a cover of that issue of G.I. Joe 39. Nice. Cool. Friend of the show, Scotty Cameron, wrote in. He said, Great episode, guys. Loved that JLI issue number one was brought up because the cover does resemble it. Also, the investment in General Ray is good. You and Jared are going to like the Emperor's new clothes. Mm. Hence, hence and allegations, Pat. Must be. And then we have one from, I think, the must-know Jim the Joe Junkie pretty well or something. Mrs. Junkie. <laughs> Mrs. Junkie. <laughs> Crystal Meal. She says, someone familiar talking on this podcast Hmm. Hmm. And speaking of Jim, he did a really nice thing and shared it on Facebook. And he added the following comment. He said, take a listen to this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. Jared and Pat have invited me back and we discussed the new direction of the G.I. Joe team. You can find G.I. Joe Chronicles and the Longbox Crusade on YouTube and most of your podcast apps. That's some good advertising right yes. there, Jim. We appreciate it. See, Orsted, you can just do something like that. And that would definitely help you, man. Yeah, that's, um, I have a plant-based iPod. What? Made from plants, and I connect to the World Wide Web through the root system of my plants. Okay, all right. I see. I'm particularly spacey today. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. What's in the pots? 
<laughs> don't worry about it, man. <laughs> All right. Well, as we'll let Orsted go again, just a reminder, you can give us a comment as well by calling and leaving us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Okay, that's going to bring us to Mission Complete Status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles of Devil's Do Years. If you want to hear more from us in the realm of comic books in general, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all the podcatchers that are out there. Or go to www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Back to You, Pat. Oh, I can be found at Christatos01. Back to you, Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com and my series of G.I. Joe characters drawn on actual pages from actual army manuals continues to grow. You should buy some. Mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> you can't go wrong with them, definitely. That's right. Thanks for joining us this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. We'll see you on the battlefield next episode, where we'll cover issue 43, The Dawn of the Red Shadows Part 2, which is the final issue of this run of G.I. Joe. We've got some surprises in store for you, and we'll tell you what's going to be happening with the show next episode. Until then, Platoon, fall out. Yo, Yo Joe! The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. You look like you ain't left a comment in a while. So pick up the mother phone and dial and put Johnny in a big ass stack because we're reading these comics like the back <laughs> 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 all right yeah i've got to edit that out i did that to myself